When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another win for your Philadelphia 76ers, a 20-point win over the Houston Rockets tonight, 133-113. Joel Embiid continuing to dominate another 30-10-10 night. We'll get into the specifics in a second. I got Jackson Frank on the line. We're going to cover this game from a few angles. And then uh, Jackson actually wrote a pretty awesome piece about how the Sixers were able to beat the two best in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets last week. So, uh, Jackson, how are you doing? Let's just start there. Uh, I'm doing doing a lot better than I was about a week ago when I was I was down down with illness. I'm I'm glad to be back watching Sixers games live and not a re, not a replay. Be able to interact with uh, everyone at Liberty Ballers and all the Sixers fans on Twitter. So I I can't complain. And it was a there are there are worse games to come back to than than that one when Joel is awesome and Furcon is fun and we'll get into it. But I but I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. So you are confirming that you are back from health and safety protocols. Uh, I oh I almost am. I'm doing the full ten day quarantine. I say health wise, I am basically about ninety percent, but. My because quarantine. we love percentages on the on these yeah my quarantine doesn't end until Wednesday afternoon so I'm, I'm playing it safe staying home but uh but if I needed to play basketball or something I could definitely do it today but uh but yeah I think I, I think you know based on what Joel told us my bout with COVID was a little uh, less arduous than his but also I don't have to go play basketball for 35 minutes four days a week so <laughs> it makes it easier for me so uh, but I yeah I I guess I'm I am cleared from the health part, maybe the safety part. I'm still in the protocols, but I, but I am good health wise now. Nice. Let's let's start with the big man, uh, Joel. Continuing to dominate. This is a growing theme that we really really enjoy. He had a monster December, and he's continuing with the first game of the new year: 31, 15, and ten in thirty minutes. Like, <laughs> I, what else can we say about this man? Other than, uh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, sorry, step aside, buddy. Joel was the December Eastern Conference Player of the Month. I'm sorry. Step away. Step aside. I mean, I guess you got to give DeMar his credit, right, for those two game winners. That helps your case a little bit for Player of the Week. But No, uh, you don't. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's fair, right? I mean, those shots were pretty ridiculous, right? I think you can't go wrong, right? Which right, is a good, it's a good problem to have, in my opinion. You have two oh, guys playing. <laughs> all right, right. we're we officially DeMar DeRozan standing on this podcast god damn it um yeah but I mean you know with, with Joel I think it's interesting you know, I was talking with with someone recently about his play and and like obviously this is not what I'm saying at all but it seemed like whatever happened whatever time he took off because he was dealing with COVID rejuvenated rejuvenated him in some way I don't know what it was but you know, before that, he wasn't moving as spryly. He wasn't getting the quality of shots we saw last year. He wasn't getting as deep as deep a position as we were accustomed to. And he's come back in these last five weeks and just you know, outside of those couple of stinkers against you know, Orlando in that first Boston game, 
just been on an absolute tear. I think two or three 40 point games now, th- 30 points at least in six of his last seven. Yeah, just um, mowing and, defenses. Down yeah, there. just in, you know, part of it, I mean, you look at a game like this against the Rockets, they're already down Christian Wood, they're down Alperin Shengun as well. They're playing Daniel Tice, who's always had trouble against them beating us. Is kind of Houston's third string center at this point, and they're playing Jay Sean Tate as second string center, maybe or KJ, KJ Martin, whatever you want to call it there. So it's, it's a tough matchup, but most teams are tough matchups for a guy like Joel who can handle the ball this well and who moves so well at his side is, is uber strong, obviously at seven foot 280. So, like, like yeah, you can say some of these games are, are mismatches, but like that's who Joel is. Basically, every game is a mismatch. So, um, just really, really impressed with just not only the way he's dominating, you know, when he gets deep position, but he had what two or three or four transition buckets where he's moving like a six, five wing. Um, the pull-up jumper was there, you know, he had a ridiculous turnaround bucket, I think, you know, an early offense in the second half. So, um, just really impressed with his patience, you know, on plays, whether it's just keeping the ball moving or waiting until like, the double will come at him and then he'll retreat and then attack. So um, I think this is, you know, I don't know how many, how many games he's played since coming back from COVID now, but I think 16 or 17, this is to me the best prolonged stretch I've seen from him in his career. Um, maybe at some point last year in his MVP season, but um, the passing, the patience, the scoring, the defense, even the screening has been really good, I think, compared to previous years for him. So um, he's, he's really the total package. And I think, yeah, the, the Rockets aren't very good, but um, this was just a continuation of what he's done for the last, you know, five and a half weeks now, really. And I'm seeing this a lot more often in games where, you know, they'll throw it into Joel, he'll get the double team, he'll kick it back out, but then immediately continue to fight for positioning in the paint and just say, hey, g- give me the ball back. It's like that Jackie Moon from semi-pro scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was, there was that one play against the Rockets, right, where I think he... Um, and there ended up being a foul. I think Daniel Tice like just yanked him out of the way because he couldn't do anything. And like he, he gave the ball to Tobias or someone, and then Tobias immediately threw it back in. And Daniel Tice had nothing to do except for just, I guess I'll just move Joel out of the way because I don't want to allow t- two points on me. And obviously, you know, Tice can do that because you get six fouls in the game. But I almost uh, thought yeah. that like the ball hit <laughs> Daniel Tice in the face. That's why it went off like it, that. It, it, yeah, I couldn't tell you. It, it, did it hit both of them? It might, I think it hit Joel. No someone someone had an audible yell that I could hear on the broadcast. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great point, honestly, is that before he went out, before, during those first nine games he played, right, they played 10. I think he sat out one game due to rest ahead of a, you know, three games and four nights stretch. But he wasn't doing that as much for whatever reason. He like the, the position wasn't as deep as he'd like, and then he passed the ball out, and they wouldn't look for him again, and he wouldn't fight as hard. And so... Um, we all know that like Sixers guards, Sixers perimeter players have historically not been great at finding him on entry passes. But I think yep. some of before the COVID issue was was on Joel. Not much of it, but definitely some of it to an extent. And I think he's been a lot better in that regard for whatever reason um, since coming back the last five weeks. And he deserves a lot of credit because he's just like, you know, I think about, you know, when it really stood out, it's just stood out basically ever since he came back. I mean, you have what, like 42 in the overtime loss to the Timberwolves in his first game back. Yep. Um, but there was one play against the Warriors late in the game when they won that, um, where he had Wanda's Connor Anderson, who was a very, very good defender, but obviously, you know, he's overmatched against Joel and, you know, Joel got about as low as you can get. Maybe, maybe he had his butt eight inches off the ground, uh, <laughs> and just sealed Wanda's Connor Anderson and had, I think an and one or something. And late in the game, the Sixers obviously were, were great down the stretch, closing out the Warriors a few weeks ago. Um, but that was just emblematic of what Joel has done over the stretch to really kind of right the ship because 
pre-COVID, I thought he was incredible defensively, still very good as a passer. Um, but post-COVID, he's been all of that plus the MVP level scoring. So, and so, and a lot of that is because he's working really, really hard against okay. guys who have no chance if he puts his back into them and you know gets four feet from the hoop. So, uh, a lot of credit to him, and it's been cool to see. And the Sixers have needed it, and that's you know part of why they find themselves seventeen and eight when Joel Embiid plays you know basketball for them this season, which is a very good record. Yeah, if you're six foot like seven and shorter and you're trying to guard you, you just got no chance. Just walk away. Just walk away. Um, for every A plus, unfortunately, that we have to deal out some Fs and Tobias. Good lord, that's uh, hard, bad, bad night for Tobias. Like six to fifteen from the field, just all bad for Tobias. What is going on? Like, are, is this like? Is this the punishment for like good Tobias last year? Is this what we're dealing with now? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like the the entire year, I think he's been a little bit down. And whether it's you know he dealt with his own COVID and his non-COVID illness, so like you want to have some sort of understanding there. He also had I think had a hip and a knee injury this year, so it's like something is going on, right? Like I think he's not as good of a player independent of those things as he was last year. But there seems to be some other factors at play as well that I think you at least deserve mentioning. But these last couple of games against the Nets and the and the Rockets, like he is just missing so many shots around the rim that I felt like he made consistently last year during his, you know, during his career season. Uh, and I thought it was especially prevalent against um, the Nets, a little less so against the Rockets, but um the bigger issue against the Rockets was he just couldn't keep anyone in front of him whether it was you know in the half court whether it was transition um he was a little bit spacey off the ball I mean that's always been an issue for him but it felt especially prevalent against the Rockets I think he there was one play where he was just kind of floating and Garrison Matthews had already hit two or three threes in the first half was wide open in the corner probably about eight feet to Tobias's right and he had no sense of you know going to close out on the guy who had already been killing the Sixers through the first quarter and a half so um he's missing some shots I think he'll hit eventually but um, you continue to see him pass up threes that he needs to take. You also see him miss, you know, threes that he should be able to make, right? Like, you know, if there's anyone within one to two feet of Tobias, he's just not a very good three-point shooter, um, which is, you know, an issue. And so um, he'll figure out some of this stuff. You know, the defense, I, I, I don't feel like it's something that you're going to expect to correct, but the shots around the rim, he'll figure out. I think he'll be a little bit better maybe defensively I think like, like I shouldn't I guess I'm concentrating I should say I think he'll move better I think one of the issues since he came back from his own COVID issues and injuries is he hasn't moved well and he's not some incredible mover for his size but I think he looked more fluid last season than before he dealt with injuries and COVID and all that this season but um yeah it's just it's just been a it's been a continuation of what you saw over the last three and a half games against the Hawks last year and for whatever reason he hasn't been able to write the ship when the Sixers need him to because um, and this is partisan Tobias's fault, but the Sixers are down, like they're down an all-star guy who's making max money in Ben Simmons. And I'm not, yeah. not, I'm not, not saying that, not like, that, that I'm not saying that's like anything that's not Tobias's fault, it's not his responsibility, but like you would at least hope he could play like he did last year and he hasn't come anywhere close. I think last year in the regular season, he was anywhere from a top 45 to 60 player and above average starter, which is a very good player. And this year, I, you know, I went on off the top of my head, but he's been demonstrably worse than that on, even on a per game basis, if you, you know, the absence he's had. So um, some of it's just variance. Like he's going to make, he's going to make those shots around the rim that, you know, he's usually made the last couple of years. Um, but some of it is just like, this is who Tobias is. He's a slow processor offensively takes fewer threes than you'd like. He's not good shooting contested spot up threes. And defensively, even though he's good at times as a rebounder and at times rotating on the inside and can defend in the post a little bit, he's not the guy you need need him to be. So um, dribbles way too much is another yeah. popular uh, yeah, yeah. problem. 
Yeah, and I think you know people, you can say that like, yeah, he was great last year, but also like the Sixers have now had Tobias for three seasons, basically, right? I mean, maybe a little less than that when you go back to the trade. Um, and I think the guy he's been this year is a lot closer to who to who he's been on the aggregate. And you know, as unfortunate as it feels like last year was kind of his peak and was more of an outlier than than anything else. And you can say, yeah, he was adjusting to a new role when, when he was with Jimmy Butler and Joel and Ben. And then the next year it was a new team as well with Josh and Janelle Horford. And that team was just kind of lifeless with, you know, Brett Brown kind of being, you know, lame duck. Um, <laughs> but, but the, the, if every context you need to add some caveat as to why he's struggling, that's just closer to who he is. Unfortunately, I think that's the reality. I don't think he's as bad as he's been as of late, but I think he's much closer to the player we saw and, in 2018-19, in 2019-20, and just end them through the first half of the year than the guy we saw in 2021 regular season, unfortunately. Not a whole lot from Seth Curry tonight. Uh, 15 total points. He had a lot of that in the second half. Um, I kind of just like wrote that off as, oh, he got an early foul trouble and couldn't really get into a groove until the second half. Yeah, I didn't see. I, I thought he was still getting pretty good shots for the most part. Um, definitely found his some really – I thought he was key to the Sixers having – with this or 41 points in the third quarter, kind of 41 in the third. Um, I thought that was, I thought his, he was good there. Um, I thought that was pretty key. Um, he can like, you can just tell, like, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think Joel's screen setting is better than it's ever been. And I think, yes, when he sets good screens and Seth gets into that long too, which is, you know, a a bad shot for most guys, but I think Seth is probably shooting like 58% or like a a few weeks ago, I checked and he was like shooting like 63% on long twos this year, which is, or 62% on pull-up too, which is a ridiculous number. It's definitely <laughs> off a little bit, but like he's still probably shooting somewhere anywhere from 55 to 58. And when, when Joel sets a good screen on those, on those like side pick and rolls and whatnot with Seth, um, that, that shot is pretty much money. So um, I didn't really think there was any issue. I, I don't, I think he probably ended up having like 15, like six of 14. So um, really not, really not an issue. Like I'm not worried. I'm not really worried about Seth. We know what he is. Um, he's a dang good off ball scorer with some on ball ability and has good chemistry with Joel. Um, you can see at times he gets overextended, but, um, you also see like late that game against Brooklyn, he was really key, you know, whether it was just working the two man game and scoring himself or finding Tyrese Max or finding Joel, like he's a really key player. So I, I didn't think anything really stood. I didn't, I didn't feel like Houston did anything differently. I thought at times maybe Garrison Matthews aggressive defense gave him some issues, but, um, on the aggregate, on the aggregate, he ended up having a fine night and, the way he's shot the ball since you know dating back to a game three or four of that that wizard series is unbelievable. So you're just prone to some, some some slow nights, but I didn't think anything was really an issue, um, you know, for the for the most part against the Rockets. Your your bell ringer tonight was Joel Embiid for you know obvious reasons, but um, can can we make a case for Furcon tonight? First career double double, fourteen up, twenty four eleven and six, and just shooting the lights out like I. I I've been, I enjoy any and all Furcon games like this. So I kind of want to give like uh, an honorable uh, bell ringer mention to Furcon. Like, I don't know what that bell would look like, more like a cowbell than a Liberty Bell, I guess. No, absolutely. I think because the way I, so I've, you know, I don't do every bell ringer. I've probably done 70% of them this year for Liberty Ballers. The way I try to view it, because it's similar to what I used to do when I would do report cards for the athletic on Sixers games, I try to view it through the lens of, what that what that standard what the standard a player is set right and I think given that baseline I would I would say it's fair if you want to give Furkan the bell right like there we go like that's a testament Joel right like when you have a triple double you have 31 15 and 10 on 20 shots like 
Like, yeah, I'm fine with giving you all the better. I'm not saying otherwise. He was the best player in this game. But I think relative to the standard that they've set this season, Furkan played higher above that. Um, and the standard Joel set the last five weeks, especially has been an MVP caliber season, but, um, or, you know, MVP, whatever you want to call it, but, um, yeah. And some of that is because for struggled, but it was really good to see because Furcom was awesome for what the first three weeks of the year. And it's just been in a really prolonged dry spell since, um, has been better in three of the last four games. I think he's, that's now three double digit scoring into the last four, um, yeah. 24 was his most points since November 6th against the Bulls. We had 25. I think everyone probably remembers that game if they watched it. He was awesome in that game against the Bulls. That was the last, that was the 10th game of the year when they went eight and two and then Joel was out and things started to spiral. But um, I was waving the Turkish national flag <laughs> during that game. Maybe, maybe that's a sign of maybe that's a sign that things are starting to write. You know, Joel's Joel's doing his thing again. The Sixers have won four in a row. They're 20 and 16 now. Furcon's finding his rhythm. But I was really impressed with Furcon. I thought um you know, three threes in the first quarter. Uh, but more than that, I thought you saw him get downhill and score well, which is what you, which was, that was really key to his early season success, right? Like he's what six, I want to say six, seven, right? Like he's not some super bulky or strong player at that size, but the size does help. And so, um, you saw him get downhill on some ball screens, use his size to finish with five of six inside the arc, um, you know, eight of 14 overall. So, uh, as you mentioned, the 11 rebounds there. And I thought that was important too to let the Sixers, like I thought he was aggressive hunting rebounds and letting the Sixers get out with a ball handle leading the break a lot. I mean, 133 points, you're going to have a lot of success there. And I thought Furkan's, you know, willingness to attack the glass and have a ball handler ignite transition possessions was key there. So um, tons of kudos to him. I thought he was solid defensively too. I think he's been, I thought last year you saw Furkan take a jump defensively and this year he's kind of regressed a little bit, but I thought this was a good, a good step in the right direction. Had that nice play where he, had deflection and then, you know, was foul on the break, I think late in the third or early in the fourth. So um, huge kudos to, to Furcon. And if you want how, if you wanted to find Bellringer as the guy who played, you know, most above the standard he set for himself in a given year, then I have no issue, you know, get, you know, providing uh, affording with no, sorry, donning Furcon the Bellringer title in this game. I, I would go Joel, but I, but I have no issue with Furcon because I view Bellringer as a very fluid, um, you know, title. So uh, huge, huge kudos to him. And I think, the Sixers need like they need him to be a good off ball shooter who can kind of put the ball in deck occasionally and make things happen and survive defensively. And, um, you know, obviously the caveat of you know, you're playing a Houston team that's now lost eight in a row was already down, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. Um, but, you know, the hope for the Sixers and for would be he can use his game as a springboard to, you know, right the ship and be the guy he was last year, um, you know, kind of the guy who can hold holds on defensively and provides some versatile offense. And that's, that's the guy we saw at times to start this year, um, but has not really been the case through 36 games. And um, the Sixers really benefit from him figuring things out. And this was certainly a, you know, a continuation of positive play over the last week or so from Furcon. Something I found a little bit worrisome tonight is the 63 points given up in the first half to a Houston Rockets team without their two best, without two of their best players. They gave up 113 total, still won by 20, but like the playing down to the Rockets as it seemed in the first half, that that seemed that that that's a little red flagish to me. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned kind of the start that we were, you know, you were I wrote that that piece you know, about the Sixers, you know, getting wins over the Nets and Warriors, and what they did well in those games is they defended, and that has been a really consistent theme for them. I think they're I think before. Monday's game, they were seventh in defensive rating since Joel came back five weeks ago. So that's that's positive. Like you're always going to be a worse defensive team when you're without Ben. 
Um, you know, whatever you feel about Benny obviously helps him defensively. That's, that's indisputable. Um, but they should still be good when they have, you know, when they have, you know, guys like Danny and Joel and, and, you know, obviously Matisse and, and Tyrese are out, but um, you should still be able to put together a good defensive showing against the Rockets, as you mentioned, especially because who the Rockets were missing. And the biggest issue to me was uh, the off-ball defense and the transition defense. They just oh. rarely stopped the, a guy at the point of attack in transition oh. the first time, especially, um, you know, just end like they would miss a shot or they would even make a shot. And the Rockets would just drive the ball down, you know, Philadelphia's throat and get, you know, two feet from within eight, eight feet of the rim. Uh, and then either finish inside or kick it out for three Garrison Matthews off ball movement was really important. So um, the Garrison Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, when I saw Houston number 25 and just like no disrespect to all the Caucasian listeners out there. When I saw number 25 of the Houston Rockets, like looking like that white guy, I was like, wait a second. Is Chandler Parsons back in the league? What the <laughs> hell did what the hell happened? Yeah, he. I mean, in credit to Garrett, like he's had a nice year, but yeah, I think I think his buckets or his points for the most part were very much preventable. I mean, he in what he had eight free throws, and I think he's a nice player, but he isn't someone you can really put the ball in the deck. And that was he had eight free throws, I think, because he got fouled on two threes. Um, oh. That's just undisciplined, and then he had some cuts for easy buckets. I, I thought. Some of that was because I thought a couple of his cuts were because Joel was playing too closely to Daniel Daniel Tice. I don't know if that was a scheme thing or if Joel just wanted to apply ball pressure there, but um, that's not to say Joel. I think Joel is a very good defensive in that game. I'm just, you know, talking about why Garrison played well. Right. Um, <laughs> but I just, I think it just speaks to the inconsistency of this defense. And I've tweeted about it before and I've, I've had people say, you know, they're without Matisse, without Joel, but it's a thing that happens when Joel plays. And, and so they, they've got to figure it out. And yeah, you know, it hurts to not have your, your two best perimeter defenders, two guys who made all defense last year, Matisse and Ben. Um, but again, you're playing the Rockets who have won, lost eight in a row. They're without Gavin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. You shouldn't allow 63 points in the first half, and you shouldn't allow 113 in general. They were better in the second half, only 50. Like you'll take like you allow 100 points in a game, you know, unless the game was just played at a snail's pace, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna have a pretty good defensive rating by the end of it. Um but yeah, I just thought in the first half, especially they just never stopped the ball at the point of attack. And then in the half court, um, they let Garrison Matthews get, get loose too often, bad off ball defense. Obviously you mentioned Tobias earlier, wasn't very good about keeping the ball in front of him. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I think they also, they found another shooter on a three as well. I don't recall, but it was, um, I want to say it was Eric Gordon, but I can't remember. Yeah. It, so, I, I want to say one other guy at least. And so you fouled, you fell three jump shooters, you know, in the first half. That, that's, I mean, you fell three, you fell got three, like guys on three jumpers across two games. I think the coaches have been pretty frustrated, let alone in one half. So um, that's got to be cleaned up. Obviously, it, you know, it, it helped that the Sixers, you know, were awesome offensively because nobody could stop Joel. And, you know, Furcon was great. And even Isaiah Joe was very good. But, um, you know, five of eight from three for Isaiah Joe. Love it. Yeah. Career high and more know, Isaiah Joe minutes. All of them. <laughs> Tied a career with 18 points and, you know, set a career with five made threes. But um, yeah, we, we've seen the issues the Sixers offense can have, you know, against credible teams or playoff caliber teams. And I think if this is going to, if this is going to be a team that has a chance to win a, win a series uh, as currently instructed, I think you could say like, you could say they have a chance to go deeper if they get something good back for Ben Simmons before the trade deadline. But as currently started, I think winning a series would be a very good goal, but it's going to have to come on the back of their defense. They're not going to play a Houston Rockets, you know, caliber defense all the time and score 133 points. And so they've got to be better on that end of the floor. And um, I think they largely have been since Joel returned, but um, it's got to be consistent. I don't think it has been. I think that's, you know, that, that's kind of the issue. And 
um, you know, I, I trust they will be good. Like, I don't, I think this is, this to me stands as an outlier since Joel came back, as I said, um, but it, it was not a good showing. And it's not what you, you want to, you want to build good habits, right. Against these, against these bad teams. You don't want to win games, even if you do it by 20. And I don't think defensively, this was a game that was the Sixers building good habits defensively. We'll see what happens in the rematch next week when <laughs> theoretically, uh, Christian Wood and, uh, Porter Jr. will be back with the Rockets. But as we saw him tonight, I think I'm going to close the postgame with this. I think it'd be a fun little angle. Um, anything that you liked from the Houston Rockets? Like the one thing that I saw, like these guys are young and they are just running fools off the court. And I, I, I'm down with that as a young, like, house of cards team. <laughs> or like team that's got nothing really to play for. Just, just run, just run, whatever. Yeah, I actually made I actually made a note of that in the first half. I like I, you know, I was taking notes on both teams and I was like, my goodness, like Houston is just breakneck pace after every play, it feels yeah. Um, but that that was I liked that. Um, I, I liked what Jay Sean Tate brought. I know he didn't make any of his threes, but he had some really nice, like he was six or seven inside the arc. Um, had a couple of you were a couple of fouls. I liked his ability, like his footwork around the rim is impressive. He's got a little bit of a like a herky jerky cadence to him as a driver, too. Um, you know, Eric Gordon wasn't great tonight, but I think he's been pretty impressive this year. Like, I, I think, you know, he's a guy that if teams have the salary, you know, the cap space to, to take him on his, you know, him and his contract on, he's a guy that can really help some teams with his ability to shoot from deep and, and attack the rim. And, um, I didn't think Jalen Green was great tonight, but I also, what's impressed me with Jalen this year is, you know, he's a guy that he's on a bad team. He's the number two pick. He could just chuck shots, right? Like he, he yeah. just, but he only took 12 shots. I didn't think any of them were terrible, really. Like, I thought he Very challenged well. for a number two. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's an impressive like, yeah. friend. So, like, yeah, yeah, he only went three of 12, uh, unfortunately. But, like, and you saw, you saw like, the times, like, he tried to challenge you a couple times in the room, which is fun. Um, but it's just one of those things where you got to put a little more meat on. You got to get a little more strength. Like, he just doesn't quite have that that frame to challenge Joel there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked some of what they did. Um, I, I think the Rockets are, you know, I think Mark Jackson mentioned on the broadcast, like he said, I know the rock, the Rockets record isn't good, um, but they're closer than you think. And I, and I agree with him. Um, and as an aside, I really liked Mark Jackson on the broadcast the last couple of games that I've caught with him. Um, he's been really, really insightful, enthusiastic and, and good. And that's not, not to say all it isn't, but um, I think they're different. And I think, you know, Mark, Mark, Mark brings, brings the, the funnies. I will say he, that he brings the funnies. And I think he also brings, a, he focuses a little more on like the specifics of why something happens than all. And I think all is a little more like, you know, I want the Sixers to win. And that's not the same Mark doesn't, but, and, that, and that's not the set. Like I don't not criticize all of, but I, but I enjoy Mark's style. And like, there was one, one point where he was in the rock, the Rockets were in a matchup zone and, and Tom McGinnis goes, what's the difference between a matchup zone and a two, three zone. And he explained it in one sentence really, really easily. And I was like, that's cool. Like, I enjoy that. I, I, <laughs> I, I know the difference, but like not everyone does. And he was like, in the matchup zone, you guard a man in a certain space. In a 2-3 zone, you just guard a space. And I was like, beautiful. Mic drop. That is a really easy way to distinguish between them. So um, I know you asked me what I appreciate about the Rockets, but I just wanted to give. No, that's fine. Because that was honestly going to be my next question. So that's fine. <laughs> because um, I, really, I really enjoy what he's brought. He was good in the Raptors game, too. I I think I watched the Nets feed on Thursday um, because I really enjoy their broadcast, but I caught the end of the Raptors game live and, and watched it on replay as well and really enjoyed Mark Jackson's commentary there. So uh, kudos to him. I, I really think he's done a good job filling in for all over the last week or so. 
We're going to come back with Jackson. He's going to talk about uh, his piece last week, Sixers wins over the Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets. Sixers win tonight, one, one thirteen. sorry. Sixers win again tonight, 133-113 over the Houston Rockets. Back in a second with Jackson Frank on the Out of Sight Podcast. I'm your host, Dio Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Back in two seconds. All right, so we're back on the Out of Sight Podcast, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can get a whole litany of Vox Media Podcasts. Uh, talking with Jackson Frank, we did the post game for last night's win against the Houston Rockets, but now we're going to deep dive into a piece that he wrote last week regarding the Sixers' two wins against the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets, two very impressive wins over the tops in, well, not the tops, tops in their respective conferences because Golden State is, I believe, second. But at the same time, damn, those were some impressive wins. I, I do want to start with this, though. And it's something that I feel like we need to do going forward. Can we just can we just say who cares when it pertains to Ben Simmons? Like when it comes to like, oh, the Sixers are doing well despite not having Ben Simmons. Oh, the Sixers are this, that, the other without Ben Simmons. Like, I think we can just stop doing that because I don't think any of us really expected Ben to be in the lineup this season. Yeah, totally cool with me. I I, I would be glad to not talk about Ben again until he's playing and the Sixers have players in place of him and all that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Nets, you know, the Sixers beat the Nets last week and beat the, uh, the Warriors three weeks ago. The Warriors are still first. The Nets are second. The Nets have actually lost three in a row now. The, uh, the Sixers sent them in a little bit of a. Oh, well, they got back up and Kyrie Irving coming back. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's nice when you're, uh, you're all NBA caliber guard and just, uh, decide to start playing because, uh, you came, you had the. Anyhow, then I just took this. Sorry, let me let me reset myself after giving myself a concussion from the largest eye roll I ever did. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with with these two wins and you know how the Sixers are winning, like they they had COVID issues, and like first of all, like that's more reps for like other guys that don't normally get reps, so that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I think you know when I, so. I was, you know, cause I talked with, I talked, cause I had been out for a little bit with my own illness and he was asking Paul over the weekend, like, what could I, you know, what could I do kind of back in the swing? And he suggested this article. And I, I really liked the idea because I think these games do, do kind of give you a glimpse into like what the six could do well consistently to, you know, go from a team that was, you know, kind of right on the play in border to a team that maybe, you know, still ends up posting a playoff series this year. Um, and, you know, I posting found a, a playoff series. I just, whoa. I mean, the two games out, and I know, I know every team has had, every team's had injuries and COVID issues. And like, you look at the teams right above them, it's the, it's the Cavs, the Heat, and the Bucks. And all those teams have had their own, you know, unfortunate issues with, with COVID and injuries. But like, I think before tonight's game, the Sixers are the fourth easiest remaining schedule. Um, and this, this month especially is pretty easy. Like, they should, like, I'm not saying they're going to host a series, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if like we, we get into April or late March and they're within, a game or two of, of a three or a four seed. I just, I just think like you have Joel playing this well. Um, you hopefully get back on track, you get healthy again. And I think in my piece, I wrote that like six, we have a full rotation. And then of course, Matisse and Tyrese don't play uh, in the first game after that piece goes, goes live. But, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I personally would not bet on the Sixers hosting a playoff series, but I, th- but I don't expect them to just totally, I expect them to be closer to that than I do the play in honestly. Like I just, I, I agree with that too. I think they're better I, than the Wizards. They're better than the Hornets. They're better than like they're better than the Raptors, the Knicks, the Celtics. Like maybe this. Like I know people don't want to hear, but like, I think the Celtics. They, if they can get healthy, I think the Celtics could figure it out with with Jalen and Jason. But I I think they like the Sixers still have the best player 
between those two teams. Like Joel is just better than Jason or Jalen. Like it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like he's just notably better than them. Um, so like, that's what I'm saying. Like I think like like I don't. I'm not saying they're gonna make gonna be the four seed or the three seed, but I just think they're like I've watched enough of these teams that are in the play in right now, and I just think they're better than them. Like I just I just do. Um, and so I think the kind of the the three themes that I highlighted in that article was Joel being Joel. Um, mm-hmm. which doesn't always mean the Sixers are going to, to win games. Like we, we've watched Joel long enough to know that him being great is not, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win games. Right. Like it's just, just the unfortunate reality. <laughs> um, but then I saw, like, I thought another important thing was Matisse was fine offensively, very good defensively, especially against Steph in that game against the, the Warriors. Um, and this part is a little bit out of their control, but both Brooklyn and Golden State didn't really take advantage of Matisse. Like the Sixers cl- put him in their closing lineup um, and teams just kind of guarded him as though he was a normal spot up wing off the ball rather than, you know, aggressively doubling, you know, Joel when he tried to get a post touch or strongly helping off every side pick and roll with that defender, with Matisse's defender. Right. Um, I was watching that play after play, watching that go down. I was like, wait a second. Uh, is, is Matisse getting a little bit too much <laughs> respect? Like, yeah, what's going yeah, on yeah. here? And I think, you know, I think, you know, he had, he combined for 12 points on 60% true shooting in those games, which is like nothing, like that's not anything credible, but for Matisse, that's fine. You will take it like that. Yes. That that's like, you'll take 55% true shooting for Matisse. Like that's 55% I think is league, league average this year, 60%. Like, yes, it's only 10 shots. Like I'm not saying like I'm just saying in those games, like you'll take it. And then the third thing was led by Matisse, really good and well-connected defense, like, especially in, in that game against the Warriors. Like I thought it was pretty good um, against the Nets and the Nets obviously were under man. They were without Kyrie without, uh, without Joe Harris in that game. Um, but I think you saw good team defense. Drummond was very good in both games. I feel like, you know, defensively going back through my notes and watching some plays um, Joel was, you know, his excellent self uh, Danny, despite his issues is still really, really good in help. And I know he didn't play that game against Brooklyn, but I thought he was good against the, the Warriors. So um, those are kind of the three pillars to me is, Oh, sorry. And the other one, I guess, I guess, I guess the Matisse thing ties in defense. The third pillar was good crunch time offense, which is really, really important for the Sixers and not something they've really gotten outside of the Jimmy Butler era when, when Jimmy and Joel were kind of able to blend who was the closer there. Right. Um, and so what was important when I looked back through the, through the made shots, the Sixers had down the stretch of each game was they didn't just give the ball to Joel in the mid post, which is what they've largely done right through Joel's, I think it's his sixth year, right? Like the game gets late. They give Joel a post-up touch and say, make something happen. And, you know, for everything Joel is great at, he's you, you, you're overextending him if you ask him to do that, like that much, right? Like it's just, you probably want him as your one B scorer, as good as he is as a scorer. And that's just a little much for him to ask. And so instead, these last couple of games, uh, you know, especially in that game against Brooklyn, they're going, they're using Joel as a screen, they're running side pick and rolls, they're getting the running offense through Seth, Joel, and Tyree. So instead of Seth, Joel just being asked to do everything, make something happen from the mid post, it's okay. Let's have Seth handle the ball. Tyrese is on the strong side because he's a good three point shooter this year and is confident and can attack off the catch. And Joel, because you're an improved screener and you can hit from mid range and you can, you know, be, you're a pretty solid pass these days, you'll be the big man there. So, um, and the process was good. I thought that was, that was important. Like, I think they, I think they're 12 of 18 over the last five-ish minutes of those two games. That's that's unsustainable, right? Like, you're not going to shoot that well. I think I ran the numbers, and they had, like, over those 10 minutes, like, 33 points on 12 of 18 shooting. Like, like yeah, you're not – that's not going to happen every game. But the process was good there. Like, occasionally when Joel had a mismatch inside and he got deep position, they fed him the ball and he scored. 
but they didn't go to the every play. There wasn't predictability to it. This defense shouldn't just send the double and then position itself well in the weak side and then dig down well and inter- force a turnover. Um, and so that that was that. Those are the three big things to me. If I can circle back, it was good crunch time offense and play calling. Joel was awesome offensively against an undersized front line. He worked hard to get deep position and get good quality shots. And Matisse was playable offensively, being very, very good defensively. Those are kind of the pillars for them, I think, if they're going to to roll with Matisse as a starter. Um, And I don't know if they are. I I don't know if they want to put Danny back in or if they want to preserve his health. I would still side with playing Danny as a starter. I think his three-point shooting and health defense is really important. But if they're going to roll with Matisse, he has to be playable offensively and be very, very good. Like, I think he's been better over the last couple of weeks. Like, I think on the whole, he hasn't been his as good as he was last year defensively, but I think he's starting to find some rhythm again. And I think that's important. Like, if he's going to be your starter, he has to be the all-defensive caliber player, right? He can't be just a very, very good defender who gets the steals and the blocks, but also is prone to dying on screens and, and, and over-pursuing steals and blocks. Like, he has to be as good as he was last year. And I think in those two games, for the most part, he was. And that hasn't been the case most of the year, but that's – that's important. If he's going to play 25, 30 minutes a night, he's got to be survive offensively. And some of that is outside of his control. It's based on how the defense guards him, but he's got to be that, that wonder can defensively. And I think especially that was the case against golden state. I do want to circle back to something you were saying about like crunch time and seeing how much variance there's been in the offensive sets. And I, I got to ask with this construction that they're doing in crunch time and different things they do with pick and roll with Tobias or like Embiid, Seth and Maxi, as you were saying, or even like what the hell Thibel as an entry passer, which what the hell um, is this the most variance we've seen in a Sixers crunch time lineup? I, I feel like I'd have to probably go back and look at kind of the stuff they ran when Jimmy was here, when they, when they really found their stride, um, in the second half of the year, you know, when they had that, that win against the Celtics, they beat the they beat the Warriors on the road in that that year with Jimmy. Yeah, um, I think Clay, Clay might have been out, but that game was incredible too. Um, down the stretch, I'd have to go back and watch some film there, but it certainly feels better than last year. Like, I, like if you're just looking, like just looking at the Doc era, it feels a lot better. And I think that was I agree. I think because Seth, because they figure out that, oh yeah, Seth is more than an off ball shooter. Like he's not just a dribble handoff guy; he can actually run side pick and roll. And some of that is based off his his breakout in the playoffs. And then also Maxi is a, just a much better player than he was last year. Um, and, you know, even though Tobias is thrown this year, like he saw that really nice play, I think late in the Brooklyn, maybe four minutes left in the Brooklyn game. Um, Joel set a screen for him. They forced a switch, got LaMarcus Aldridge on the perimeter and Tobias, despite his issues, is still has better foot speed than LaMarcus Aldridge and, you know, tacked him off the dribble and got to the rim for a finish. So, um, I would say at least during the doc era, absolutely. Again, I'd have to go look at the, you know, go look at the Jimmy era, um, and, and say for certain, but, um, you know, it's, it's different, it's different context, right? Like they don't have anyone close on the perimeter who can initiate offense and create like Jimmy Butler could. So, um, different, different context, but definitely feels better than last year. And, um, I think that's important. Like you want to keep Joel involved, but he doesn't have to be the only guy. He doesn't have to set everything up, right? He doesn't have to be the scorer, the playmaker, like the screener doesn't do, do all of it. Like, and he, be the best defender on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and go and anchor the paint. And then at times going hedge on ball screens as well. So <laughs> trap all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's been most encouraging to me. And I think some of that is also tied to Joel, right? Like, like if they're going to run ball screens with, if they're going to, if they're going to run the classic, they put two guys at the elbow, they run a horn set. Iverson cut for Seth Curry into a side pick and roll. If that's where they're going to go to a lot in crunch time, Joel's got to set really good screens. And I think for a lot of the time he has this year, 
but he's all, but we also know that Joel is inconsistent at that or he's, he hasn't always timed his roles. Well, I think back to the Minnesota game, right. Where he and Maxie had that miscommunication. Joel said he, t- he rolled too late and Maxie thought he was going to roll and he threw the pass and it went right to, to Minnesota. So um, that's not to say that like everything falls in Joel. I'm just saying like, if they're going to run the offense this way, rather than all a bunch of mid post touches, it constitutes Joel being a very good screener and a mid range shooter. And Joel's you know, got to do all the little things yeah, he, now as opposed to if, just if like one or two things. Yeah. Really if, well. Yeah, exactly. But if it, if everything doesn't fall on his shoulders, the things that do fall on Joel's shoulders, he has to excel at. And in those two games, he he's been awesome, and I think he's been awesome for largely been awesome all season in crunch time and in general. So um, by no means am I saying he hasn't been, but I'm just noting that you know when his responsibilities change and if they they narrow a little bit, he has to be great at those things, and he has been in these two games that we're discussing, and that's why they they emerge victorious. So um, I'm I'm curious to see how it goes moving forward. Um, I think also the Sixers have been pretty good in crunch. They were, I mentioned kind of at the start of that article, I didn't get into it, but like Sixers also have wins against the Bulls, like two of them, two. Like, like, like those games matter. The Bulls are 25 and 10. Now they are two games clear of anyone else in the East. Yeah. Two, um, game, two games against yeah, and, the uh, uh, winner of the Eastern conference, December player of the month. Yeah. We got yeah, two wins against you, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, and I think if I recall, at least in one of those games, Sixers crunch on offense was pretty good. Like I would, I might at some point go back and look at maybe the last five minutes of each of those games and kind of see what I noticed. Um, but like, I, I am curious to see moving forward against other, you know, games uh, against good teams, what the Sixers crunch on offense looks like, because um, they played some good teams, but a lot of them came without Joel, right? Or they haven't been close. Like they played the jazz a couple of times, one without Joel, one with Joel, and it wasn't really close down the stretch they played the bucks without you well and you know it was a good game but like i don't like i just not interested in like what the sixers crunch them offense looks like without you well like, it just doesn't really matter for the playoffs so um i it's something i'm going to continue to monitor but those two games i think are encouraging but the, the results obviously because you get wins against good teams but the process i think was was pretty good even if you're you're they're the beneficiaries of of a little bit of outlier shot making, but it doesn't diminish the processing. That's that's really important when you apply it to a forward thinking lens. I'm going to put two little things together, and this is going to be uh, the last. Uh, you you love to call them pillars, so I'm just going to do that. <laughs> um, defense. Um, I love the fact that they are still top ten defense since JoJo's return. I believe you said they were seventh, and then the schedule is looking very nice right now. The fourth easy schedule left, just January alone. And we'll just start with January. Aside from the Miami Heat, they don't have one game against the top four in either conference. <laughs> I'm pretty sure now is the time to like feast and gain some ground with the roster that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, even, even that game against Miami and what? a week or two. I don't know. It's sometime in mid January. Like uh, it's the 15th, I believe. Okay. So yeah. We, so a week and a half, roughly um, Miami has been going through some COVID stuff that we'll have some of those guys back, but they probably won't have Bam out of bio back. They're probably going to start, you know, a, a Dwayne Deadman or, you know, I don't know if he's going to be back or they might, I mean, they might start Omar Yurtsevin and it's really cool. He's in the NBA, but I've Good watched luck enough, with that. <laughs> I've watched enough of him in the heat this year. He's just, he's like, he's not a rotation caliber center, at least based on his play this year. No, no disrespect. So um, obviously, like I said, like, Joel playing well does not just guarantee a win, um, but it helps. It helps when you know the 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 Heat's All Star center won't play, and even his backup, who was very good, might not play. Um, but uh, yeah, this is absolutely the time to make up some ground. I think so. After today, now they're down. They're 
they're down to the sixth easiest remaining schedule. Obviously, when you play the 10 and 27 Rockets, <laughs> and that, that game gets removed from your schedule. Yeah, uh, they play them again next week. Yeah, no, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like that when that game gets <laughs> taken off of the remaining schedule, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go, go drop down a few talents in the easy, easy your schedules remaining. But um, yeah, I think they've, they've got to, they've got to build some, some continuity here, and I think they can. I mean, you look at, you look at their last three wins. They won four in a row. The game against the Raptors wasn't really encouraging. They won, but like they should have beaten the Raptors by more. Who were without, you know, without Fred Van Vliet and uh, I think I think a couple other guys were still out. Um, but you know, the game they they blew out the Wizards. I guess again the Wizards were under man, but like they did what they were supposed to, and they beat the they beat the the Nets. Yes, the Nets were under man, but the Sixers are still without some guys, and so on the road that's a good win. Then you blew out the the Rockets. Like these last three games, you're like starting to find a little bit of content. You're starting to like, kind of take. I wouldn't starting to take care of it like i'm not saying they should have beaten the nets but i'm saying like they're winning games that like they should be able to win and the couple of them they're beating them easily so um yeah i mean you you would hope that they come out you know fresh and ready against a magic team that has had they i mean this magic gave the sixers big issues what five weeks ago i think that was Joel's second game back um you'd hope that <laughs> you know, the magic have had some scrappy games they just almost beat the bulls tonight they beat they almost beat the celtics despite all the celtics issues i know Jalen or jason wasn't playing but um, they've had some games where they feel they've pushed some teams. So <laughs> you would hope you go out and win that game by 18 points. And then they play the Spurs. And the Spurs have been better as of late, but the Spurs are still a team that are well below 500. You would hope you win that and win by 14. So um, you just want to start to build some momentum and get this team back to the caliber it was in their first 10 games. And I think they can. I really do. Um, I, like, I know that some you can look at the good their net rating, the Sixers net rating. You can look at their you can look at their projected win loss. I, I don't really care about that with any team this year because of how wonky everything is. Right. I think the team is very good with Joel. They're 17 and eight. Joel is playing like an all NBA guy or sorry, an MVP caliber guy, like a guy who could play. Like, I don't think he's going to, because like there's been so many awesome players this year, but like he's playing a guy who could, who was as good as he was last year when he finished runner up. And so when you're 17, eight with that guy, Seth Curry's good. Tyrese Max is good. I, I know Tobias isn't going to be – I don't think Tobias is a good last year, but he's still a good player, I think, when he figures it out. Danny Green's good. They've got a decent bench. Jordan Yang is good. Under, there's a good team led by a superstar. Despite all the issues, I think this is, team is very good, and this is this schedule presents an opportunity this month especially to rattle off some wins. Like, I think I was kind of trying to project it forward, and I think they this is a team that, like, like they should have, like, 23 – 24, 25, 27 wins by the end of end of the month. I would have to go back and look at it immediately, but like you've got to rattle off some wins here because you know they've still got a couple of games against the Suns, a couple of games against the Bulls. You know, they've already beaten the Bulls twice, but like the Bulls 25 and 10. Like that's not a that's not a pushover game. Just bring it. Just bring it. Just bring Another it on, Chicago. Just bring it right. on. Let's go. Two, two against the Bucks, three against the Heat. Like, you know, like their schedule is yes, it's easier compared to most teams around the league, but you've still got to you've got to get ahead of the eight ball, right? Like you've got to you've got to win the games you're supposed to. And I think the Sixers have a really good opportunity to build some momentum here and kind of figure things out. And um, and I think they will. I, I really do think they're starting to kind of like I I didn't love tonight's game, you know, from kind of just looking at the quality of this team, but they won by 20. The offense was really good and Joel was awesome. And um, I think it's still a game that you look back on and say they were fine. They 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 did what they were supposed to for the most part even if the defensive consistency was not what you wanted it to be. Um, so I, I don't know exactly where I was going to end this, end this, but I think the Sixers are starting to figure things out. Like I said, 17-8 with Joel Embiid. Um, they've got good players around him. I think he. the most important thing is that he and Tyrese Max are starting to learn how to play together offensively. And God, that's I love that. 
that's really, really important. You saw how good Maxi was when Joel was out, and you saw how much he kind of struggled when Joel came back. Um, and if they're starting to figure it out, I mean, because I think Maxi is a guy who's playing, you know, not all-star level, you know, when Joel was out. I don't think he was quite there, but a guy who was a above-average starter. And if you have he, a top he's, top, he's somebody that'll be in the freshman sophomore game, probably. Yeah, yeah, no, abs- oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm just, I'm, just, like, I'm just saying, like, if you, you have an above average starter, right? Like, I mean, that's what he's been at. I think it, you know, for stretches this year. And if you can figure out how to tap into that when your MVP caliber big man is on the floor and playing games, you're you're in a good spot. So um, there were there was ample opportunity this month for the Sixers to build some momentum and. I, I don't I think they will, but I, I can't say for certain because they still have games where like the first half against the Rockets or even games against the Raptors. So um, there's an opportunity here, but it's also up to them to to make it happen because as cliche as it is, you don't just get handed things in the NBA because these are all very good players. And the Sixers have shown this year that for better for better and for worse, right, that that's the case. Right. They've had some games where they've scrapped their way to wins despite having a bunch of guys out and they've had games where they've lost lost games despite the other team having guys out or had games be too close. So um, big time opportunity this month and especially the next week or so to, to really kind of distance itself from the plan, but it's now up for the Sixers to, to do so now. Jackson Frank, NBA columnist, Liberty ballers, colleague, abolitionist, anti-imperialist. I'm just reading off your Twitter. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> You can read Jackson's bell ringer piece and his piece about the wins against Golden State and Brooklyn last week. Catch up with everything on LibertyBallers.com. Follow me on Twitter at Adil B. Royster. You can follow Jackson on Twitter at JackFrank underscore JJF. Uh, that's his handle, folks. I don't know what to say. Um, Jackson Frank, appreciate you coming on, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. Uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy the rest of your quarantine, and hopefully, we'll get you out of the safety protocol since you're out of the health ones. Absolutely, I'll be I'll be out of here. I think after after Wednesday's game, I'll be uh I'll be good to go. So if the Sixers need me, uh, <laughs> don't give me a call. Honestly, if anyone don't don't give me, I I. I, I won't help you at all. I can maybe, <laughs> maybe if they lose some coaches, which I don't want to happen, but then I can help. But player, I am, I will be no help. I'm, I'm six foot, 160 pounds sopping wet. I won't give you anything. I, yeah. I will be just another ball handler who struggles against, against perimeter pressure. So I, I won't give you anything. Yeah. You can find Jackson and I at your, at your local playgrounds, local YMCA's, <laughs> uh, LA fitness, whatever. Just, just not on the floor of the Wells Fargo center. Unless, unless, there's some cool opportunities for like a um, uh, a Sixers beat writers game, but we'll, we'll now we're talking. Yeah, I, yeah. As long as the co- the context, right? That's I, I, NBA guys. know I am. I I will look worse than anyone has ever worse looked on an NBA court. But throw me in a game with some media folks. I think I would do fine. I wouldn't say I would dominate anything, but I would I would be fine in that context. But oh no, I I, I would absolutely <laughs> dominate a media game. Just like yeah. Yeah, Keith Pompey, come at me. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love you, Keith. I'm just, I'm just joking. That was the Out of Sight podcast for January 4th. We're going to get out of here. Sixers win by 20 against the Houston Rockets. They'll run it back next week. I am your host, Adil Royster. Chill Ride, Chill Vibes. Thank you to Jackson. Thank you to all of our listeners out in Sixers Twitter. And, uh, yeah, talk to, you, talk to everybody next week. And go Sixers.